Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. My wife's going to sing a special for us this morning. Allow this to open our hearts uh, to the word. And uh, I believe that today uh, God's going to encourage your hearts with uh, the text that he gave um, and the message he gave to Isaiah. And I know that many times we get burdened down and just struggling under it. But today I want to be an encouragement to you. So Isaiah chapter number 40, find yourself there. Let's listen to this special.
Amen. Praise the Lord. That's a, a powerful truth there. And let's meditate on this truth this morning. Stand with me, children. You're dismissed, fourth grade and below, if your parents are agreeable to that. And if you want to follow down, they're going down this, this wing to the kids' wing, to the kids' room, the Adventure Club room. And uh, fourth grade and below, if you'd like to uh, take advantage of that, that is up to you. And they'll be learning from the Word of God this morning. Let's stand. Let's stand and find uh, Isaiah chapter number 40. And I'd like to actually start in verse number 25. Isaiah 40, verse number 25. Let's begin reading there through the end of the chapter. The Bible says, To whom then will ye liken me, God talking, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things? Look up. Look up into the sky. Who's created these things? That bringeth um, bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest thou, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord? My way is hid from the Lord. And my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men, the young men. All right, who, who still claims to be a young man here today? All right, okay, some of you are claiming it. Uh, but he says even the young men, the young men, you, you that are still looking in the mirror and saying, yeah, I, I still got it, right? I still got the strength. I, I still got the, you, he, he's talking to you right now. Even the young men shall utterly fall. Thought you were coming to be encouraged. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. How many of you say, I want verse number 31? Yeah. Well, you can't have it without verse number uh, 30, which is admitting, <laughs> I, I don't have all the strength in the world. But we're going to learn about this, this matter of renewal. Right after we've come out of the Resurrection Sunday, and we, we are floored, we're encouraged by the fact he came up out of the grave. He gives us resurrection power. He gives us the power not only to receive forgiveness, but to give forgiveness. Talk about power. That's our, that's our Savior. But he has power to renew you today. And I want us to think on that, to meditate on that, and I want that to change our week. So let's pray and ask him to help us with that. Father, we bow before you once again in this, this service time, asking you to hush our hearts. Lord, each one of us deals with the matter of not just physical fatigue, but emotional and spiritual fatigue. Lord, I am just mindful of the armor you told us to put on every single day and how much of that armor has to do with, with being strong, being strong in the spiritual battle that we face every day. Yet, Lord, we're not strong. 
we struggle. We find ourselves in great weakness. And sometimes we get very despondent, even depressed, because of our great weakness and our struggle uh, to, to win and to conquer and to go forward. And Lord, I pray that you would renew your people with your word today. I pray that you'd put me away and out of, the, out of the way, but that you would speak directly to your people through your word and that you would encourage them and strengthen them. You have, you have missions for them this week. You have appointments for them this week. You have challenges that you want them to, to mount over this week. And I pray that our time together today would enable them to do that for your glory and for yours alone. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And let's be seated. Thank you for standing. So we're here in this passage of Scripture, and it's always important to understand the, the Word of God in context, okay? And so we're going to do our best to that. Uh, every one of us has probably seen this verse, verse number 31, on a wall somewhere, uh, in, a, in a social media post, or maybe it's uh, you know, uh, a decoration in your house, maybe you have an eagle in your house, and it's, it's kind of an inspirational statement, but what was God trying to get across to his people when he gave them this, this particular promise, this particular principle for them to follow? Just remember this, that this is in, in the midst of the, the book of Isaiah, a prophet, a preacher that was sent to God's people to declare a message, to foretell God's truth, to take from God and deliver it to the people. And right here in the middle of this book, we find the story of a man by the name of Hezekiah. How many of you remember the king Hezekiah? Does that name ring a bell at all today? Well, let's, let's just survey Hezekiah's life. He was, a, he was a great king. He was known as a godly man, and he was like you and I. He had his ups and his downs, and he, he, he made mistakes and so on. Uh, but he was a godly man, and he was the 12th king of the, of the nation of Judah. Remember, the, a, a, after Solomon, Israel divided into the, into the two tribes of Israel and the, the nation of, uh, of Judah. And so he was the 12th king of the nation of Judah. And, the, and there was a lot of ups and downs in the kings. So many um, bad kings. But here he is. He's a, he is a good king. He is a godly man that has a heart for the Lord. In fact, under him, we have the restoration of the Passover. We have some really great things that went on in his life. God allowed in his life, uh, he was told by a prophet, hey, listen, you're coming to the end of your life. Get your things in order. Uh, you're going to be dying soon, all right? Uh, you talk about a, a wonderful message, an encouraging message from a prophet. You're going to be dying soon. Uh, he, he asked and begged his life. God gave him how many more years? Do you remember that? 15 more years. He turned the dial back where the, there was that sign of, of that, which really just troubled, you know, troubled people, especially those that were watching the, on the sky. And so they turned the, uh, turned the time backwards for him. And he has now 15 years to live. And during that last portion of his life, Hezekiah began to even allow some pride to, to, to settle into his life. And when the Babylonians, an enemy of Israel, of God's people, came over uh, to, to see the blessing and really to research out what was going on in the heavens, okay, we're interested what, what just happened. And instead of them using this as a platform to, sh um, to showcase God and God's goodness and God's power, here's what Hezekiah does. He brings them into storehouses and he shows him all the blessings and riches and wealth of the kingdom rather than highlighting God. And if that seems insignificant to you, it was not insignificant to God because God said, for this, I'm going to bring judgment and punishment upon the nation and upon your family. 
Why was that such a big deal? Because pride to God is always, always a big deal. Pride is where we, we take God off the throne and take God out of the spotlight and we put ourselves there, and Hezekiah did that. And he showcased himself and the blessings of God that God had given him that he really should have said, this is all a result of God, and he should have been more careful about that. He showcased himself, and so the prophecy at the end of chapter 39 is basically, uh, hey, uh, your, your, your wealth is going to be taken and your family is going to be taken as well and it's just not going to be uh, good days ahead for you. And this would be fulfilled in the time of Daniel, in the first chapter of Daniel under the king uh, Nebuchadnezzar and that's exactly what happened. They took away the wealth and, and they took away the, the best of the family. If you remember, even Daniel was of the king's lineage. So these were the royal, this was the royal seed and so what did what did Nebuchadnezzar do? He, he brought them all over to Babylon and he made them subject, he made them serve, he, he trained them in their ways, he renamed them, he changed their identity, he took them out of, out of Israel and he, he did that to the best of the best from the, um, from the land of, of Israel. And it says there in Isaiah 39 and verse number six, behold the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up don't miss that. And that which thy fathers have laid up shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And so a generation of wealth that has been stored up, the blessings of God that has been stored up in, in Israel now is going to be taken by the enemies of Israel, Babylon. So that's a pretty amazing thing when God begins to deplete when God begins to take away or allow the wealth of a nation to leak out because of the pride of the leadership or the pride of that, of that nation. And so that's what God would, would allow. They, all their wealth would be taken. But then I, I mentioned that the, the family would be as well. Verse number 7, chapter 39. And of thy sons that issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, they, shall, shall, uh, they take away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Not only did they take them out of their homeland, but they, they made it impossible for them to, uh, to bear children and to, uh, to carry on the, 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 um, the family name and to carry on the families there in, in, uh, in Israel. And, and it's just interesting how that the enemies of God, of God's people, were allowed by God as an act of punishment to completely deplete them of their wealth and of the next generation. Now, I want you to consider this for a moment, and I just want to, uh, as a matter of introduction, just realize the Bible is always applicable to our times. We live in a very blessed nation here today, but God will never stand for pride. And when the people, the conservatives, when the Christians of our nation stand up and exalt the blessings of God as if we gain them for ourselves, the freedoms we enjoy, the riches we enjoy, as if we gain them for ourselves and do not use them as an opportunity to showcase God in front of a godless world, God will deplete a nation of that. And we're watching that. Have you heard about inflation recently? You think that we're not under the judging hand of God, and I'm not trying to bring it down. This message will bring hope and renewal. You'll understand that. But there are times where we need to realize the brass, uh, brass tacks, the realities of what is going on. God is allowing even the monies of our nation to, be, to become worth less. And he took it from Hezekiah and took it from, uh, uh, from, from Israel. Do you think God has changed? Is God interested in an arrogant leadership? Is God interested in an arrogant 
populace that says, hey, this is all about us, and our freedoms are about us, and our wealth is about us, and we're so great. Listen, God takes pride seriously, and we need to recognize that. But I also want to know that just like in that day where money is being taken away and shifted into another country, by the way, there's more ways than inflation that, you know, that money depletes. There's many other ways that, that we're robbed, whether intellectual property and so on. Have you heard about that? You know, and, and you're like, why, why are they stealing our intellectual property? You think God has any hand in allowing that to happen to a nation that has forgotten its maker? Yes. So, but beyond that, we're watching right now a generation of youth that are being stunted and being destroyed. Just this week, I was just, uh, just considering even what's happening here in Ohio, and I'll continue to mention these things so that you're, you're aware, but even right within our, our high schools, as the High School Athletic Association gets together here in Ohio, their agendas are not to promote truth in front of our kids and to help them to be less gender confused. It is to help them be more gender confused. And even the Ohio High School Athletic Association, as they gathered together earlier in April, they got together and they're talking about how that we can include all this and make this all, you know, make sure that we continue to prop up this message of gender confusion. They won't call it that, gender confusion and so on. We're losing a generation of youth. They're being destroyed. One of the ways that God brings punishment upon a nation is he, he depletes them of their wealth and he depletes them of their next generation. Friends, it is time for God's people, which are called by God's name, to humble themselves and pray and seek his face. And don't think that what's happening in the high schools, just because you don't send your children to high school, doesn't affect you. It is a part of your nation and it does affect you. And so I just want us to, to realize the Bible's always applicable. So, do I believe, you can ask me point blank, do I believe that we have the judging hand of God on our nation right now? I do. I do. Is there a message of hope right now? Yes. And that's what I want us to see. Right now, you, you as God's people need to embrace this message personally in your life. This is not just a message about our nation. This is a message about you right now where you are. You need to please God. You need to seek God. You need to be crying out to him. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing in, in, in a sense of do whatever God tells you to do in, in response to that, but don't, don't let them pull you down. You get your focus on God. You have your eyes in the right place. Oftentimes, I, I don't know, numbers matter to me, so I walked past the clock this morning out in our, our living room, my alarm clock, and it was 6.33, and it just reminds me of Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Every one of us have that responsibility in the midst of a nation that is running as far away from God as possible. And so we have this responsibility, and so how important it is to, uh, to, do, uh, to, to seek the Lord in these days. And so what happens? We have this message in chapter 39, the end of it. Hezekiah, you're going to lose your wealth. You're going to lose the next generation. And if you think that the LGBTQAI+, and it continues to add on, by the way, as those, um, those, that athletic association was getting together, they're, they're demystifying, one of the topics is demystifying this, okay? Demystifying, helping everyone to understand, creating a culture of in inclusion, moving beyond past biases to, a, to affirming behaviors, not declaring what is true, God made male and 
female, okay? I, we're going we're gonna to continue to reaffirm this in our, in our church because it's important. It's a, it's a topic right now. Male and female, okay? So on the, on the heels of, of hearing that the wealth is going to be depleted, the youth is going to be depleted, uh, just understand that God comes in verse number four, on chapter 40, verse number 1. Look at it with me. And I want you to read verse number 1 out loud with me. Are you there? Verse number 1. Ready? Begin. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Wow, I like my God. I love my God. That's my God. The one who's saying, hey, the wealth, the children, they're under my judgment. You're going to lose this. He opens up to his people and gives a yet future proclamation. I want you to be comforted in your hearts. I want you to be encouraged in your hearts. And he goes on, verse number two, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her. The preacher was to cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. So God's saying, hey, there's a day of restoration coming. There's a day of hope that's out there. And so our God, is one that is always concerned with hope and restoration. You can hear the voice of Satan and detect it in this way. Satan never offers hope. You're confused? Be more confused. We'll just, we'll add to you the chaos. We're not going to give you truth. We're just going to add your chaos so that you go through as an 8-year-old and as a 10-year-old and a 15-year-old. You just continue to be confused so much so that, well, you know what? You might even just want to end your life because you're so confused and we've helped you. That's Satan. Satan is a murderer. But God allows these things, yes, in, as, as judgment upon a nation. And so now God is saying, hey, I want you all to know, you that follow me, I want you all to know, I have a comforting message for you. What is that comforting message that he gave to Isaiah? What is this message of hope? What is this message of renewal? And I want us to catch this. No matter where you are, no matter how fatigued you are, no matter how despondent you are, this message that God gives to his people is still applicable to you today. It's applicable for your Monday. It'll help you if you grab hold of it and believe it and allow it to become a part of your life. And so I want us to catch this message from, from the Holy Spirit today. Notice in verse number 27, the frailty of our faith. How many of you say, my faith falters sometimes? And the rest of you, right? We all falter in our, in our faith. We struggle in our faith, our believing God. But notice what God does in verse number 27. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest thou, O Israel? I have a question for you. Why are you talking that way, God says? Why are you talking like I'm dead? Why are you talking like I, I am gone? In fact, he says, why are you talking like I can't see you in your trouble? And, the, and, and that's exactly what they were declaring to the Lord, and God is having this conversation with his people. They were saying, my way is hid from the Lord. Uh, God can't see me in my trouble. God can't see what's going on here in America. God can't see what's going on here in my family. God can't see the things that are going on in my workplace. God can't see and the fact of the matter is, we oftentimes uh, will play peekaboo or uh, hide-and-go-seek with our kids. And I, I think about kids, sometimes they'll think they're hidden by just putting a blanket over them. But have you ever seen a, a kid's foot sticking out, right? And, and they think they're hidden. 
and, and they think they're doing a really good job. It, we're about as effective uh, in, in, as that child is in hiding from us, as, in hiding from God. And God can see. He can see the foot sticking out. He can see us everywhere. And for them to say, my way, my, God can't see me. God can't see what's going on. He, he doesn't see my boss. He doesn't see my husband. He doesn't see my child and what's going on. He doesn't see. And my way is hid from God. God can't see me inside of my trouble. David said, whither shall I go from thy spirit? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to, down in the depths of hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and go to the uttermost parts of the earth, you're there. You're there everywhere. We cannot hide from God. And we demonstrate the frailty of our faith when we declare, my way is hid from my God. My way, my life, my schedule, my problems, my marriage, my children, my my financial issues are hid from God. God doesn't see me in my trouble. The frailty of our faith is exposed. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. For at all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do, he says to us. And so we demonstrate the frailty of our faith when we declare, you can't see me in my trouble. But what about this? They go on, and my judgment is passed over from God. My judgment is passed over from God. What were they saying? God, God can't just, God doesn't see me in my trouble, but God won't save me. God won't save me or deliver me or rescue me from my trouble either. My judgment is passed over. The idea of judgment is my cause. You can, uh, you can kind of think of, uh, of my judgment, my life circumstances, my issues, what concerns me, what concerns me is passed over from God. What's the idea of passed over? To disappear, to fade away. You know what Israel's saying? We're in the middle of all this, and God looks down. He doesn't see it at all. It's just kind of disappeared. He's not taking up my case. He's, not, he's like a judge that says, there's no standing here. You don't have a right to talk about this in my courtroom. It just disappears from his sight. And what were they saying? God won't save me from my trouble. The troubles of our lives are just disappearing in, in, in the eyes. And did you notice what it says here in verse number, verse number 27? Before the eyes of my God, my God, they're claiming him as my God, but they're saying my God doesn't care to save me, to rescue me from this situation. You talk about despondency. That's where they are. You talk about fa um, faltering faith. That's where they are. Job's wife got here when she said to, to her husband, Job, uh, are you still holding on to your integrity? Are you still holding on to your relationship with God? Why don't you just curse God and die? He's done all this to you. He's not saving you out of this situation. Why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you just give up on this whole Christianity thing? Why don't you just stop going to church? It's not benefiting you at all. Why don't you just stop reading your Bible? Really, the prayer, that, um, the prayer that you've made, God isn't hearing it at all. God won't save you in your trouble. You might as well just stop. Every one of us has been tempted in that same way. David asked in Psalm 42, why hast thou for, um, forgotten me? Why have you forgotten me, God? You know, we demonstrate the frailty of our faith when we talk like God won't save me and deliver me from the trouble I'm facing in my life. 
whether that trouble is brought on by others, whether that trouble is instigated by me, he's not going to do anything about this. How hopeless this situation is. He does not care about my burden. He is not concerned with my health. He does not hear my problems when I pray to him about the ones that I face at work and in my family. He won't give me victory over my lust. He won't give me victory in my marriage. He won't save me. He won't help me. That's where they were. And God asked them, why are you talking that way? Why are you talking that way? Uh, have you forgotten who it is that you're talking to? Do you ever wonder how it is with God as he hears us pray some of these prayers? Now, he, he invites us to talk and to pour out our hearts before him. But have you ever wondered what it is to, is to God when, when he hears us acting like, talking to him like he's not God? Like we forgot that he's the creator? Like we forgot that he's risen from the dead and that he conquered all things, sin, death, and hell? Like, like, who are you talking to? And, and so he asks, why are you saying this? Why are you saying this? Every one of us, if we're honest, has to admit the frailty of our own faith. Every one of us has to admit that just because we're strong today, Monday might look different. Isn't it amazing how quick we change? We can praise God for saving our soul today, but tomorrow morning, with just a simple letter in the mail or a phone call or a text, we start talking to God like he stopped being God. The frailty of our faith. Friends, you need to realize and you need to accept and acknowledge the fact that you are not infinitely strong. You're not invincible. And your faith is not. Why is, it that, why is it that God told us every single day we need to put up the shield of faith? Because we're going to get a fiery dart. And because our faith is frail. Why is it his armor that we need to put on? Because I don't have enough to stand against Satan's onslaught. I, I do not have the ability I do not have the spiritual strength. I have to have up that shield of faith. I have to have the helmet of salvation. I have to have the belt of truth. I have to have the sword of the spirit. I have to have the, the shoes, the foundation of the gospel constantly in mind. I have to because I don't have the strength. But friends, if we will acknowledge that, I don't have the strength. But here's what God does with his people. God does not say, I want you to look at yourself and figure out how to pull this together and really make a better Monday. I, I, want, you to have, uh, I want you to pull it together and, and, and listen to some motivational message so that every day can be a Friday. That's what the world talks about. That's what the motivational speakers talk about. That's what the false prophets of our day talk about. Every day of Friday, pull it all together. You're, you're a conqueror on the inside. No, the reason that we've been talking about this all, all year is it's conquerors through him, through Christ. And so what, is, what does God do? Notice verse number 28. Where does God bring the attention of his people? You're, why are you talking this way? Verse number 28, what is he, what is he doing? Help me out here. Help, uh, we're studying the Bible together, right? Who does he bring the attention towards? Right in verse number 28. Help me out. Himself. Himself. Hast thou not known? He begins to ask them other questions, questioning them again. Haven't you known this? Haven't you heard this? I had a certain college professor, and I'll not name him. He's come through once here, and he's a, he, is a, he is a brilliant individual. I, I cannot 
he had a life in the military, and I cannot remember, Brother Frank, how many languages he knew, but he was brilliant, and I got stuck with him in Greek class and a few other classes. But if we would grumble about a a, a certain test question, uh, he would just kind of look at us like, didn't you read that? Didn't you study that? Didn't we talk about that in class? And that's kind of the feeling I get here in verse number 28. God looking at me, didn't you experience this with me before? Haven't you read this in my word? Didn't, didn't the preacher just preach on this? That's the feeling I get. Not that God's condescending and, and, and hurtful to us, but kind of like, hey, child, we've been through this before. We've been here before. Deja vu, we've been here before. And, and so he says, uh, he's asking these questions. Haven't you understood this before? Haven't you experienced this? Uh, haven't you heard this? And what does he declare about himself? That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator. So it starts out, he, he starts very general. The, the everlasting God, Elohim, the Lord, Yahweh, the creator. The creator. I want us to think about this for a moment. He says, I am the Lord. I want to remind you this morning that I am the Lord. And here's what I want us to grab a hold of. Uh, if you're faltering in your faith, you're, you feel so frail in it, what do you need to do? You need to get your eyes fixed on the fullness of who God is. You need to stop and start thinking. God described himself in three ways here. Everlasting God. Wow, he's eternal. He's eternal. He's the one that first revealed himself to Israel as the God of, of creation, uh, the God of the universe, uh, Elohim, eternal, the everlasting God of Israel. But he goes further. He, he defines himself as Yahweh, that very personal God, the one he uh, uh, revealed himself to Moses as, Exodus 3, 14, as I am. Uh, God, who should I tell Pharaoh, the world leader, who should I tell him sent me? Tell him I am sent you. I am, just are, the one just, that exists. It's interesting having, for me, my, my kids are growing up and they're starting to ask these questions, you know, I just don't understand, where did God come from? You know, you, you, we all ask that question, you know, how, how does this work? How does he have no, no beginning? I, I know it's something we have to receive by faith and we, we, we talk about this, but he just reveals himself to Israel as I am. I'm just there. I don't have a beginning. I don't have an end. I'm first. I'm last. I just am. That's me. I am. And he says to Israel again here, I want to remind you that I am. I'm the ever-present one. I'm the self-sufficient one. I'm the eternal one. I'm, I'm sovereign. I am the sovereign ruler over all the kings of the earth. I'm master. I'm sustainer. I'm king of kings. I'm Lord of lords. I'm the Lord of hosts. And I'm your Lord. And if you notice here in your, in your Bible, you notice how it's in all caps. And that, that indicates that is Jehovah God, Yahweh. I am. And he's still your I am today. He's not I was. He's not I will be. He is I am right now in your life. He has not forgotten you. I am. And he says, I am the Lord. And furthermore, I am the Lord, the ever-present one, the self-existent one that created everything that you see. Everything that you see. And did you notice here, he didn't just say that I'm the creator. He says there that I'm the creator of the whole earth. 
I'm the creator of the remotest parts of the earth. That's me. I'm the creator. I was stunned in looking up a statistic. I uh, enjoy statistics and just kind of knowing what's going on. They say that 65% of the earth is still yet unexplored. Part of the reason of that is 70% of the earth is what? Okay. Uh, So can anyone tell me there's an area of the earth specifically that man has never been able to fully explore? What is that, the name of it? The Marianas Trench. And uh, do you know what? This is interesting to me. That, that trench um, is, is 32,000, they think, 32,000 feet deep. All right. What's the, what, is the, what is the mountain that everyone uh, you know, likes and wants to climb that's kind of like, what? Mount Everest. How tall is Mount Everest? It really tall. Uh, from what I saw, 29,000 feet. Do you realize that the, this trench that we can't get down to because the pressure is so um, very bad and we don't even know what all lives down there and God created the things that are able to live under that pressure? Mind-blowing. But it is deeper than Mount Everest is high. There are areas of this world that we have not yet seen. We're not even talking about Mars. You know, Elon Musk is talking about uh, life on Mars and building pods that can live on Mars. And, and, and one of these days, maybe we'll have uh, you know, personal spacecrafts that go out. You know, this crazy, uh, mind-blowing things. We're worried about exploring out there, and they haven't found the end of space. But we haven't even fully explored our own planet. And God says to Israel, I'm the creator of the whole earth. You talk about feeling little before our creator. We can't, even, we can't even plumb the depths of the whole earth. There's still mountains that have not been climbed, and yet we think that our God has forgotten us and that he doesn't see us in trouble. He says, I am the Lord. I am your God that created you, and I created everything. In fact, in Isaiah 45, in verse number 5, it says this, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Let's say that together. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. Do you know God really wanted Israel to understand that? In fact, in the next three chapters, here's what goes on. The next uh, 45, 46, and 40, 47. God says seven times to his people that are coming out of this, this judgment, I am the Lord, there's none else, and there's no God beside me. Do you think God was trying to get someone across to Israel that time? I preach, you're repeating. No, God, God wants me to just remind you over and over and over again. that I am the Lord, there's none else, and there's no God beside me. And so my question to us today is, God's question is to Israel, have you forgotten who your father is? Have you forgotten who saved your soul? Have you forgotten who said, I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the earth? Have you forgotten who's given you abundant promises that, that pertain to life and to godliness? He says, I am the Lord. But he goes on in verse number 28. He says, I am limitless. Well, see what he says here. I, I, I'm God. I am the Lord. I created everything. And as the Lord, I don't faint. I don't get weary. 
and there is no searching of my understanding. His strength is limitless, he says. I don't faint. I don't fall down in a heap. I don't get weary and tired. He that uh, that's, uh, he sh- uh, will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee, Israel, will not slumber. Behold, behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. You know, God never, never, never experiences a deficiency of strength. Not one time. Not one time. And he presents himself to you as the Lord. The Lord who is limitless. He's limitless in his strength. He's limitless in his knowledge. He says, you can't even explore all my knowledge. You can't even explore your your own planet, let alone my, my knowledge. It's infinitely large and Isaiah 40 and verse number 14, he says, with whom took he counsel and who instructed him and and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding. Who was God's teacher? Not you. Now, sometimes we pray like we're God's teacher. Have you ever prayed and taught God in prayer? Now, Lord, I, I, I need to instruct you about something. This is the way life needs to go. Now, We can't explore the depths and the the width and the breadth of his knowledge. There is no end to our Father. There is no end to our Father. John said as he tried to just sum up under inspiration of the Holy Spirit and write down the story of Jesus and how that he was very God. He says in John 21 and verse number 25, he says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, everyone, I suppose... I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. And so John finishes his account of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The libraries in the world could not contain everything that should be written about this man who walked on earth in human flesh and went to the cross and died for your sins and mine and rose again infinite so you who are frail in the faith and i don't know about you but i put my hand up to that i struggle there are days that i'm strong in faith there's other days that just faltering in it but us i should say us who are frail in our faith god invites us along with his people get your eyes in the fullness of the father i'm god I'm your Lord. I'm your creator. I'm your creator. I gave you breath today. And I am limitless in my strength and my knowledge. Limitless. What does that mean for us? That you as a faint individual, one who is frail in faith, can flourish. You can flourish in life. Notice what he says in verse number 29. He giveth power to the faint. He giveth power. Our Father... Our Father supplies His strength to you and I. He wants to give us His strength. He says, I hand it down. I hand down my strength. And and it's not just a little bit of strength. He hands down and increases, the Bible says. And to them that have no might, He increases strength. The idea is that He multiplies it. How many of you say, I could could use some multiplied strength right now in my faith, in uh, my my physical person, in my emotions? I could use some multiplied strength, right? He's the one. He is telling you and I, 
He is this God who comes to frail, frail faithing people. I, I, that's, not, that's not the word, but you don't understand what I'm saying. He comes to frail people like you and I and says, I give the strength. I supply the strength. I will give it to you. I'll hand it down. Human strength always fails. That's what he says in verse number 30. Whether you're a youth, whether you're a young man, and all the men should just say a, amen and acknowledgement. My faith ha- or my strength has limits, right? Right, guys? Now, it's interesting how that goes because as you get older, you still think that, hey, I can do this, I can still do this, I can still do this, and then you fall and break a leg, right? You know how that works? But God says, you utterly fall. We might as well just get it down. I'm not invincible. And God says human strength will fail. Uh, I think we all realize that a little tiny virus can take us down pretty low. Every time something smells a little wonky to me and things aren't still just kind of back to where they used to be, uh, I realize, you know, a little tiny virus or whatever it was that was running around the world, uh, just that little thing that I cannot see has the potential to take me down. It's amazing how we can be so boastful in our own strength, but then be on life flat on our back and, realize, and not realize, hey, my strength is not unlimited. His is, mine is not. A virus, a disease, an accident. Do you accept that your father is the only supplier of real, genuine, multiplied strength? The only provider. Hey, listen. That's something you have to take into this week because you're going to go, you're going to come up against a trouble this week, a, a challenge this week, and you're going to try to approach that trouble in your own strength and you're going to fall flat on your face unless you remember what God is telling you right now. And it might be as early as this afternoon that you face the trouble. It's not like we have a lesser supply and God has a, a greater supply of strength. No, you and I have no strength. He has all strength. All strength. So let's not get in this mind. I can go so far in my own strength, and, 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 and if I just want to have this type of Christian life that is, you know, is within this bounds, I can do it in my own strength. And, but if I, I, I hear what you're saying, if I go with God, I can have unlimited strength. No, it's not like that. You have no strength to do anything for God to have victory over sin, to conquer uh, the uh, obstacles in front of you. You have no strength. He has all strength, and when you rest in him, he'll give it to you. And so he, he declares to them this matter. I am the supplier of your strength. So here's a question for us to consider today. I need you to consider it personally. Not for your neighbor, not for your wife, not for your children, not for for the other church member. I need you to consider this question personally. If our Father is the supplier of multiplied strength, as he declares that he is in verse number 29 and 30, if he is the the supplier of multiplied strength, increased strength, and he's he's saying, I'm the one that gives it, if he is that supplier, if, if our Father, the one who saved us, the one who created us, the one who is ever present, if he is the supplier of multiplied strength, then why don't all of God's children have multiplied strength? Why are we not walking around not despondent, not depressed, not, 
not gloomy in our lives? Uh, why are we walking around defeated? Why are we walking around blue? Why are we walking around as if, uh, if, if God has forgotten? He doesn't see us. He doesn't want to save us and deliver us from our, from our struggles and deliver us from the, the darkness that is about us. Why are we walking around without this multiplied strength? If God is the supplier, if our Father is the supplier, then why, why do not all God's children when I say children, I'm not talking about a universalist concept where we're all the children of God, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? How do you become a child of God? But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. John 1.12. So we become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. So those that believe on Jesus Christ and his finished work in our place for our sin, those are the children of God. Why is it that not all the children of God walk about and live their lives with multiplied strength? Why? Well, let's look at verse number 31, and I hope from this day forward you look at verse number 31 in a little bit different light. There's a responsibility. But they that wait upon the Lord, let's say it out loud together, all together, and every voice working together here, and let's lift this up uh, out loud. Ready, begin. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Listen, there's a responsibility. We must go to the supplier and secure his strength. We have to go to him and receive this strength. He says, but they that, what? Wait, he did not say to earn it. He said, go to him and, and wait. Uh, look for this. Now, let's define this word wait. It, it, uh, wait in a waiting room, you know, in the idea of just sit down and just wait. It's kind of passive, right? Just wait until they call my number. I mean, God's waiting room until he just decides to increase my strength. That's how some Christians are. Well, I'll wait to witness the people until God just kind of zaps me with that special endowment and I'll be able to witness. I'll wait to have... I'll wait to have victory until God just kind of swoops in and gives me this sudden burst of energy and I'll just magically be able to... No, the idea of wait is not passive. The idea of wait is very, very active and it has the, the concept of hope, hope in someone, not hope that's kind of waffling back and forth. A biblical understanding of hope is a, a confident expectation, a confidence in him. So the idea is I, I'm waiting on him. I, I'm waiting for his cue. I'm listening for his voice. I'm resting in his power, not my own. I, I'm admitting in my own heart, I don't have the strength, but he does, and I want his strength to accomplish this. I'm going to wait on him. And so it has this, this future focus, this, this kind of leaning into idea, they that wait on the Lord, those that are just waking up and saying, hey, hey, God, thank you for this day. Good morning. I love you. Now, what do you want me to accomplish today? Uh, Lord, I'm going to need your strength along the way. Lord, for those that you're going to lead in my path to witness to, I'm going to need your strength and your power to witness to them, and you're just leaning on him. Leaning on the everlasting arms is a good uh, way to think about it. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. That's the idea. I'm waiting on him. I'm resting in him. You think about a child that rests in the father's strength. Rest to, to carry them over, maybe, uh, maybe, a, uh, uh, maybe through a, a river that's, that's raging. They carry them to the other side or carry them through some uh, the struggles, the, the, the poem, the footprints in the sand. When times got difficult, you know, they looked back and they saw only one set of footprints. As they were borne along by the Savior, 
uh, through the problem. That's the idea. Waiting, resting, relying on, trusting in. Psalm 25, verse number 3, Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed, was David's prayer. Lord, those that lean on you, don't let them be ashamed. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. My favorite verse, or one of my favorite verses, Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him, that lean on him. Paul talks about this in 1 Timothy 4.10. For therefore we labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. We, we lean on Him. We're relying on Him. So the idea is that if you want this increased strength in your life, if you want the multiplied strength in your life that only God supplies, you have to come to Him and secure it by waiting, waiting on Him. And he says, those are the ones that are going to have renewed strength. Now what's this idea of renewal? It's to be reestablished on something that is as new. It, it, it's something that is fresh. It's, it's to keep putting on fresh strength is the idea. And so he says, if you'll wait on me, it'll be like you're just adding more and more strength. It's being multiplied. You, you, it's like you keep changing out strength. It's, it's going from, well, doesn't the Bible say going from strength to strength? Isn't that our God? You know, sometimes we will talk about a real energetic person. That person's like the Energizer Bunny. They never run out. Friends, what God is declaring to us, that's the type of strength that I'll give you. It's an infinite strength. It's a strength that just goes on and goes on. And he uses the illustration of the eagle. Why? Eagles are the only birds. Eagles are the only birds that, that seemingly love storms. When all other birds, they will seek shelter, they'll duck in the midst of a storm, the eagle flies into the storm and will use the wind of the storm to allow it to rise higher in a matter of seconds. One author said they use the pressure of the storm to glide higher without having to use their own energy. They use the, the problem. They use the judgment of a nation. They use the, the circumstances that they're in, the storms of life, the challenges, the marital challenges, the financial challenges, to allow, allow it to, to boost them up by God's strength. That's the idea. That's why God uses the illustration of the eagle. They're able to do this because God had created them uniquely with the ability to lock their wings in a fixed position in the midst of the fierce storm winds. To lock their wings and catch the wind of God to catch the strength of God, and to mount up above the storm. Some of you need to mount up above your storm. There's a storm and you have been circling inside of that, ducking for cover and struggling in the middle of your storm. You need to lock and fix your wings on the strength of God and mount up above the storm. That requires waiting on your God. He says, if you'll do this, you'll run and you'll not be weary. The exceptional challenges of life, you'll be able to run and not be weary. And the ordinary routine of the day, you'll be able to walk and not faint. Matyer said, it's a different strength. As if God's people become eagles, a strength brought about from, by transformation. It's a divine strength, a strength like the Lord's, a strength like the Lord's. One that does not weary or faint. You look at an, a, a believer who's walked with God a long time, you say, how did they go through that trial that way? How did they stay positive? How did they uh, keep a smile on their face? They've learned how to lock their wings in the middle of the storm. 
They've learned how to trust and rest in the strength of God and not, not try to work it themselves, but God help me. His strength, his strength will carry me through. His strength will lead me above. And here's, here's what I really want to get across to us today. If you can write down one thing and meditate on it as you meditate on these verses, a takeaway that God has given me this week, and that's why I bring it to you today, is the renewal of our strength. The renewal of our strength comes from resting in his strength. The renewal of our strength comes from resting in his strength. Friends, there is no other way to get strength. You will not go to the bookstore and find a self-help book that's going to give you strength. You're not going to find a podcast or another preacher or another church that's going to give you more strength. You must get real with your, your creator, the Lord, your creator, and rest in his strength. So many times Christians are really good about this. We go everywhere else. Oh, I, I just feel so fatigued. I feel so burned out. It must be my surroundings. It must be my church. It must be that person. It must be that problem. And here it is. We don't have strength because we don't rest in his strength. It's just where it is. And the reason we falter in our faith and struggle is because we have not locked our wings and caught the holy wind of God that enables us to mount above to catch his strength. I asked my wife to sing that song this morning, He Giveth More Grace. What is that? His divine enablement, friends. When we have exhausted the store, our store of endurance, when our strength has failed, ere the day is half done, it's noon and I'm done. When we've reached the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. There is no reason in the world for God's children to be walking out, uh, around in this world right now despondent. Defeated, cast down, we have no reason. This is the God that we serve. Yeah, but you've seen that inflation. You have no reason. His promise to provide for your needs is not subject to inflation. His promise to be with you is not subject to whether you have freedom or don't have freedom. What a God. What a God. Why don't we talk to God about this? Do you need strength? Let's talk to God about it. Would you bow with me? Right now, I don't need super formal in this. I'm going to invite you just to find a place to kneel. I invite you to find a place here at this altar, there at your seat. And you might be like me, and I find it that I need to say this just about every day. I've been running, walking in my own strength, and I need your renewal desperately. Friends, the reason you don't have multiplied strength is because you're not resting in his multiplied strength that only he provides. Renewal of my strength comes from resting in his strength. Would you find a place to pray? Get up out of your seat. Find a place to pray. I encourage you to... to Bow before God at all possible. Kneel before God. 
bow before him and admit, God, I don't have it. I'm humbling myself even in my posture right now because I don't have it. If you've walked this past week, past day in your own strength, you need to confess that to him. Lord, I'm sorry for exhibiting pride in my own life, not trusting in you. I might be talking to some folks that still need to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The greatest renewal in your life comes the moment that you receive Jesus Christ as the answer to your sin completely. Salvation is not a matter of being a church member. It's not a matter of being baptized. It's not a matter of being good. It's not a matter of earning God's favor. It's a matter of receiving from Jesus Christ eternal life. He said in 2 Corinthians Chapter number 5 and verse number 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new, a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The way that you can be renewed in your life and for all of eternity is first by coming to Jesus Christ and accepting him, trusting in him to be your personal savior from sin, death, and hell. Am I talking to anyone that that stirs the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart this morning? You say, Pastor, I don't know for certain that I've received Jesus Christ. I don't know for certain that heaven's my home. Yeah, I hear about you talking about trusting in Jesus and receiving him as Savior. I have questions about that. I don't know that for certain. Is there anyone like that here today? No one's looking around, but I'd certainly like to pray for you and I'll not point you out. Anyone like that today? I don't know for certain but I'd like to, I'd like to. You'd be bold enough to just lift your hand up and put it back down, I'd like to. Father, I pray for your people. I thank you for caring about us so much to come to us and ask us questions about the way that we talk. Father, forgive us for talking about you like you stopped being God, the everlasting God, the Lord, Yahweh, and like you aren't our creator. Forgive us for that. Forgive us for going in our own strength. Forgive us for approaching the challenges of, the li of life that you allow into our lives in our own strength. Forgive us. Lord, I pray that we as your people would rest, would wait on you so that we might receive your promised renewal of your strength. A fresh load, a fresh application, a fresh delivery of your strength. Lord, we need it. Lord, our world needs it. Our families need it. They need renewed followers of God. So we pray for this today. And we ask that you'd be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep praying there as you need. We're going to close our service with 546, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full 
in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. If you need to keep praying while we sing, let's sing on that first. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. Let's sing together. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow Notice verse number three, his word shall not fail you, he promised. Why? Because he's the everlasting God, he's the Lord, and he's your creator. Nothing ever changes with him. Let's sing together on that last. Let's stand to our feet, singing that last. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of her light of his glory and grace. You know, this is a great thing to pray for one another this week. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We have an opportunity to go to lunch here in just a moment. I'd encourage you to pray for one another today. Pray for one another. Uh, brother, I'm praying for you that you'll rest in God's strength. I'm going to ask you in the middle of the week. I'm going to text you and ask you in the middle of the week, how are you doing with that? And let's, let's uphold each other. Don't you think God would be pleased with that? Let's uphold each other because sometimes we get in the middle of that, that storm and we want to hide, run for cover rather than locking the wings and allowing God to just bear us up, give us his strength, that multiplied strength. So let's help each other with that. And by God's grace, I think God would be very pleased with that. Brother Caleb, why don't you come and just share uh, what, what's going on at lunchtime here? And, uh, and then we'll be dismissed in prayer. All right, today, immediately following the service, uh, we have lunch down the hall. It is a fundraiser for the offering. Um, so we have the um, bake sale. Uh, they can place a lot of people with baked goods for the um, auction today. If you have not made anything or baked anything or donated anything, that is perfectly fine. Come down and feel free to bid on stuff that other people have made. If you have made something, then bid on something that someone else made. Or if you really like what you made, you can bid on what you made, I guess. But uh, when you go down the hallway here, stop at the registration table. They will give you uh, the paddle for your um, 
Uh, so you can auction or you can bid out the auction. Uh, after that, go to the lunch table and grab a tray, a serving tray, and then head inside to the fellowship hall to um, the tables there. All right, so. All right Brother Caleb, so if, if, uh, if they say, I don't have any money to give away today, uh, um, are they welcome? They're welcome. Yeah. So is this, a, this is a church family thing. This is a fellowship today. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and it is a, f a fundraiser. And I will just, I want to just say publicly thank you to the, 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 the kitchen crew and to the teens who are putting in all this together. They did all this. So if you've uh, heard about it from them, uh, just, just thank them for all the work they put into that. I appreciate that. Uh, and their vision for the Conquerors Through Christ offering, just trying to be a help and make it fun for our church family. So this is a fun afternoon. You say, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. Well, uh, let me encourage you, uh, do check your emails once in a while. <laughs> there, there's like maybe 30% that, that never open up emails. That, that's fine. We, uh, but regardless, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding with you a little bit, um, just a little bit. <laughs> but if this is the first time you've heard about it, just come down and enjoy some Christian fellowship, okay? And uh, it'll be a good time. And, uh, and the, I, I hear we're having what for? Pulled pork sandwiches. Oh, it's going to be good. So, All right, let's pray and ask God's blessing as we leave today. And uh, we should just probably pray right here for the food, right? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing on the food. And uh, Lord, we thank you for your provision. And I also thank you for people uh, in our church family that just have a, a heart to uh, follow after the vision that you provided for us. And Lord, we still give you praise for how you provided back on April the 3rd and how you're continuing to provide through your people. This is beyond us. And Lord, we pray that you just keep us moving forward, looking at you. We pray that you bless our fellowship today and that you bless the food to our bodies, give us strength from it. And may we give you praise in all things. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you down there. 5 o'clock for the God and Country briefing, 6 p.m. for the service. Let's have a wonderful day together.